Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. How wonderful is the love of Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, join me, if you will, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Any of you glad to be back in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Anybody get a nap today? Raise your hand if you got a little short. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Hey, let me remind you. um, The Lord said that the Sabbath was made for man. And so what that means is uh, he hopes that we would be wise enough to follow his lead and rest. Rest our minds and rest our bodies. And uh, and I'm so thankful that God uh, would would instruct us. Hey, by the way, how many of you like naps? Any of you were like me when you were a kid? You'd get a whip and you wouldn't take a nap. Save your life. You get a little older and what happens? Uh-huh, nap time changes, doesn't it? And so uh, I'm thankful that you guys got some rest today. If you did not, I hope that next week you'll plan to try and get you a little rest on the Lord's Day. Tonight, uh, where we're going to begin, I'm actually going to read from Romans chapter 10 as the introduction, okay? And uh, you'll understand why in just a minute. And so maybe you'd mark your place at Hebrews 11, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 18, okay? Um, but if you want to follow me there, it'll be on the overhead, Romans 10. I want to sort of set the stage in our hearts in Romans 10, 9 through through 13, okay? Romans 10, 9 through 13. The title of our message tonight is simply one word. It is the word accomplished, accomplished. And I want you to think for a moment about how uh, Paul oftentimes said, uh, we preach Christ and him crucified. And uh, he, he kept on saying, That's, we, we don't know anything good except that. We don't know anything wise except that. And everything else in the Christian faith and the following of Jesus, discipling, being a disciple of Jesus flows from the great truth that Christ loved us so much that he died for us on the cross of Calvary. I was reminded as we were singing just a minute ago about Romans 5, 8 and that love of Christ. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when I was singing that song, I thought about this song really is about the cross. Although you don't see the cross, the word cross is not there. Uh, God demonstrated. In other words, he made visible. He put on display his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died an agonizing, horrific death on on a Roman cross for me and you. And uh, I'm afraid a lot of days go by and we don't think about that. Maybe we just sort of lump it into a phrase, uh, Christ died for me. But let's, let's dive into that a little deeper tonight. And so uh, first, Romans 10, 9 through 13, and I'm going to read that to you. That'd be all right. That'd be all right with y'all. Then I'll get you to stand when we read the passage that we're going to be looking at in just a minute, okay? So first, just let me read this one, and then we'll stand together with the passage we're going to do together. That okay with y'all? So we won't be standing both. T- all right, here we go. So first of all, I want you to listen as Paul is instructing here about authentic faith, salvation type of faith, all right? So he says, Romans 10, 9 to 13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, y'all help me, you will be saved. Boy, that is wonderful news, isn't it? For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, listen closely, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all 
who call on him. Not, not to everybody, but to those who call on him, Jew or Gentile, all right? Now, last phrase uh, of Romans 10, uh, 9 to 13. For, and I want you all to read it with me out loud, okay? For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, I want you to think about whoever. I want you to think about the whosoever. I want you to think about the little Greek word pas. Uh, it is a word that means uh, whosoever. It means uh, the entire whole of something and the entirety of every part that makes up that something. In other words, this whosoever, the whoever or the whosoever means it's available to anybody. Isn't that good? Uh, so it means it's available to me. It's available to you. It's available to, uh, it was available to Hitler. It's available to the, the worst murder on murder on death row. Uh, it is available to whosoever. Anybody can come. Come to Jesus and find salvation. Boy, aren't you glad that there are no exclusions there, but that anybody can come, whosoever, okay? Now, <clears throat> I want us to launch out from that idea of whosoever, anybody, whosoever. And the whosoever becomes the one who calls on Jesus. Did you say that? Uh, and so what he says, the whoever is the one who calls on Jesus, trusting him and receives salvation. Now, I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me. Will you do that? And turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. And now we're going to look at verses 11 through 18, okay? <clears throat> now, Hebrews 10, 11 through 18 is going to be talking about all that was accomplished in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all tracking with me? And so the whosoever is I'm going to make four points today. I'm going to make four observations today, and they're going to have the word whosoever. You know who that is now from Romans 10. But now I want to talk about what all was accomplished for the whosoever. Now, remember, the whosoever is anybody, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus and trusts him for salvation. This is what the death of Christ accomplished for us who have believed, okay? Pick up with me, if you will, Hebrews 10, beginning in verse number 11, all right? Hebrews 10 and verse number 11. Y'all there? Can we get started? Yes? All right, let's read. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which never can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, say it with me, forever, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, he props his feet on. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But... The Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. We talked about this morning. Where does he witness to us from? On the inside. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now remember Hebrews is comparing the old covenant and the new and he talks about the fact that the old covenant, based on the high priest of the world, earthly man, men, who would offer up animal sacrifices, could never take away sins but only cover them. It would be like making the minimum payment on a credit card and never touching the principal. And Jesus came and cashed out, right? He paid in full the debt that you and I owed. So there's a compare and contrast that's going on, okay? Uh, let's pick up. Now, he's talking about this new covenant. He said, in those days, in this new covenant, I'll write it in their hearts, and I will forgive their sin. I'll remember their lawless deeds no more. I pick up in verse number 18. Now, where there is remission, that word means forgiveness, of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. All right, let's pause for just a brief time of prayer. Will you bow your head with me for just a moment? God, I thank you so very much for the opportunity, Lord, to preach your word tonight. And God, I thank you for this group of people on a, on a, a sunny, 
Sunday evening that said, I'm going to back to the house of the Lord and I'm gonna gather with the people of God and I thank you for them, God. And I pray that you'd bless the time and Lord, that it would be effective and I wouldn't waste one minute of it, but Lord, that my words would be your words. And so I pray simply that you, by your Holy Spirit on the inside of me, would preach the word out of me. And uh, as you preach it out of me, also preach it to me, Lord. And I thank you that, that you're able to do that and only you are able to do that. Uh, so speak to our hearts. May we humble ourselves and be reminded of all that was accomplished in the wonderful death of Jesus and his resurrection. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. And so what we're gonna do is rewind back to the beginning here of Hebrews 10 and look back at verse number 11, all right? Hebrews 10 and 11. Did you understand why I read Romans 10, 9 to 13? Whosoever, I wanted to prove that whosoever, okay? And remember, uh, the whosoever is anybody, anybody who would call on Jesus. And remember what he said there in Romans 10, they will not be put to shame. You know what that means? That means that any person, anywhere, at any time can be saved. It means that no matter what a person has done, they are not disqualified from being uh, born again into the kingdom of God because of what Jesus has done. And so the whosoever is, well, let me just say it's me. And if you're born again here tonight, then the whosoever is is you. And if you're not born again yet, then I woke up this morning praying for you and I praying that tonight you would be the whosoever who, who turns your life over to Jesus and receives forgiveness and eternal salvation. So let's look at four things. I want to share with you four things. And let me give you the main idea of Rome of, of rather Hebrews 10, 11 to 13. Here it is. Jesus' death accomplished perfection and forgiveness to whosoever will follow him. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? What is he all what did he accomplish? Perfection and Forgiveness. Now, y'all are writing, but I want you to talk with me for just a second, okay? All right, Jesus is dead. Help me. Accomplished perfection and forgiveness to whosoever will follow him. Notice I didn't say we'll pray a prayer, but notice I said who will follow him. Begins in repentance and has lived out through a daily humble walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's dive in. Four things I want to say with you about the accomplishment of Jesus' death. Number one, write it in your notes here. It's going to be verses 11 to 13, okay? And I want you to write, his death accomplished redemption for whosoever. All right, redemption. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and it's going to cover verses 11 and on down through 13, all right? Now, before I read, I want you to imagine something. Can you imagine if the Lord said, uh, Jesus is going to die for you, but then in order for you to be saved, it's going to take the, the death of Jesus plus... Every year, you've got to have so many sacrifices, and you've got to give so much money, and every year, you've got to go on so many mission trips, and every year, you've got to... Can you imagine if, if, if you and I were required to add something to what Jesus did? Um, can you imagine the burden of that and the weight of that and trying to uh, uh, navigate the waters and the burden of I've got to do this thing in order for me to remain saved or I've got to do this thing in order to be right with God? And yet, as I ask you to imagine it, there are those of us in this room that if we're not careful, we assume that, don't we? We all of a sudden feel this pressure that we have to perform. And, and, and if we perform, uh, then certainly we're saved. And so we, we begin this weird circle, like if I do this and this and this, then I'm saved. And so we make ourselves do this, this, and this and we oh it just begins to be a, a burdensome load of trying to do all the things that we're supposed to do and and don't do all the things that we're not supposed to do y'all tracking with me <clears throat> and what I'm going to show you here in verses 11 to 13 is that Jesus accomplished all that so put your eyes on verse number 11 and again the first thing I want to point out is his death accomplished redemption for whosoever now listen to what he says and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. 
And so he begins to talk about the earthly sacrificial system of the old covenant. And he says, in the old covenant, uh, for every individual and for every family, an offering for sin had to be made on the day of atonement. There had to be sacrificial blood that was shed, and the high priest had to go in the holy of holies in the temple and sprinkle that blood. And it was a continual thing. But listen to what he says as this happened over and over and over again. Don't you know that you would have this feeling that it was never fully accomplished? It felt like you're always building something that never got built. It feel like you're always investing in something that never got paid off. It feel like you never really experienced the freedom that comes in the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Uh, I can't imagine having to do that yearly and thinking about all that happens in a year and what happens in between and, and, and all those things that go along with the old system. So he says this, every priest did that. Every earthly priest, they would do it over and over and over. And then, and then notice at the end of verse 11, he says, not only did they do the offering over and over and over and minister daily in the temple, what he said about all of that is that it never had the power, <clears throat> are you reading with me? It never had the power to take away sins. Uh, it was only uh, an appeasement. It just, it just sort of uh, held off, if you will. Uh, and so I, I don't know about you, but as I'm thinking about it, but listen to verse number 12. Now, in contrast to that, the death of Christ, the one-time offering, all right? The lamb of God versus the spotless lamb out of your flock. The spotless lamb of God instead of the spotless lamb of John or Joe or Sally. Uh, God's lamb provided. If you know his name, say it with me. His name is Jesus. And listen to what he says about this new covenant. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, he did it forever. He sat down at the right hand of God. Now, that seated position is a position of rest. And what I mean by that is not a rest as in dozing off, but a rest as in it's accomplished, it is done. It's a, it's a reminder to me what Jesus said on the cross when he said, uh, when he said, it is finished, the work is done, the payment has been made in full. And so you, there's this picture here, the writer of Hebrews is giving us that there's this old covenant that was never able to accomplish the forgiveness of sins, but there's this new covenant and it was accomplished in Jesus's death. One sacrifice, one offering for Ever. And I'm so thankful, listen, that I have the same blood that was shed 2,000 years ago that, sa that saved my great-great-granddaddy will be the same wonderful death and blood that will save my great-great-great-grandchildren as long as the Lord tarries. It's a one-time sacrifice for all time. Aren't you thankful for the death of Christ? I hope that you'll tell people this week that Jesus died for them. I hope you'll just go right up to somebody this week, and as you start conversation, Somewhere in there, you'd ask for a window from God in the conversation for you to look at them and tell them, I want you to know that Jesus died for you. And I want you to tell them how much he loves them and give them Romans 5, 8, and that God didn't just say he loved you, but he demonstrated his love for you in that while we were still sinners, not when you got right or got cleaned up, but well, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. And I hope you'll take that message out of here. By the way, it's the number one most important mission you'll do this week is to tell somebody that Jesus died for them, all right? Now, moving on, uh, his death accomplished redemption. That's what he's talking about here. The old system couldn't redeem man, but the new system, the new sacrificial, well, it's not a system. It's a one-time act. It's a one-time offering that canceled it all out, amen, and fulfilled it in the Lord Jesus. But this man, after he had offered, verse 12, one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God, and from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. All the enemies of the Lord Jesus, can you see him? He's just propping his feet on them. And uh, I'm just thankful tonight that the death of Christ accomplished redemption. It's not in the process. There's nothing that you and I can add to it. 
Uh, you're not going to be redeemed if, if Jesus died for you and you received him as Lord and you serve in the nursery. That's not going to, listen to me, there's no and, there's no plus, there's no attitude, not if you stay sober, it's none of that. You with me? It's not if you stay married, none of that stuff means for certain that you're by, you can't buy salvation, you'll never be good enough, and that's why tonight we pause and we thank God for the accomplishment that happened at the death of Christ at Calvary. Uh, he accomplished redemption fully for me and you. Boy, we can rest in that. Now, that doesn't mean then that we go live haphazardly. That's, in fact, it becomes the motivation for us to lean on the Spirit and be fed by the Word and encouraged by the church to go live a holy life. I wish somebody would nod your head or blink your eye, do something out there. I'm afraid you dozed off on me tonight. I, I want to tell you that this life with Jesus is not just put it on cruise control, but because he did all of that, we live a certain way. Amen? We live a certain way. All right, number two, and they're just four. See, we're Almost halfway. Well, not really. Number two, <laughs> look in verse number 14 with me. His death, we said first, accomplished redemption for the whosoever. But number two, his death accomplished perfection for whosoever. This is one of my favorite verses in all scripture. I wish you had a nickel for every time I said that to you. One of my favorite verses. Look at it. Read it with me, all right? Read it silently there. Just put your eyes on it. On your Bible. Don't look on the overhead. I want you to look on your Bible for just a minute. By the way, you ought to carry a copy of God's word with you, a written copy a written copy, because sometimes that digital stuff, will, it'll tweak out, do all kinds of stuff. And so I encourage you to keep a written copy of God's word with you with, all, with you at all times. I know I heard it do that too. It's going to be all right. We're going to press on. And so listen, you put your eyes on it, read it. Just read it a couple times in your chair there. Read over a few times. Just read a couple times in your head and your heart. All right? For by one offering, he has perfected, somebody help me, forever. Who? Those who are being sanctified. Now remember, sanctified means to be set apart, right? And so listen to how he's wording that for by one offering. Uh, that, By the way, that one offering is what we're talking about, the death of Christ. It's the sacrificial death of the lamb, the lamb of God, who John said takes away the sins of the world. He says in verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Let me tell you why I'm so excited about this particular verse. The death of Christ accomplished perfection for you and me. Now let me ask you, do you ever, do you ever feel imperfect? Uh, now, I'm not going to ask the question, do you ever feel perfect? Because there'll be some spouses in here elbowing each other and saying, now, see, you, you always think you know everything and you're perfect. And, uh, and so, we, listen, we want to be careful uh, that because the truth is God sees us as perfect, we better not act like and be convinced in our mind that down here we're perfect, right? We're talking about the picture God has of us looking through the lens of Jesus' death, and so looking through the lens of Jesus' death, he sees me and you as perfect. Now, I can't, I wish I could draw that for you on a whiteboard, but that's not possible because that's divine. Remember, divine means of God. And because God is able and because Christ was sufficient, his death was enough, God can look through the lens of Jesus and see Jim as perfect, no flaws, not one flaw. Now, I want you to think about that. Are you thinking about it? That look, don't tell me you're thinking about it. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for a smile to creep up on somebody. Say, oh my gosh, he, he sees me as perfect. And, and yet, listen, and yet uh, I see me as extremely flawed. Does anybody else say that about yourself? And oftentimes uh, I see things about me that all I can do is focus on wish, what I wish was different and what I wish I could change and wish I was a little taller. And some of us wish we was a little thinner and some of us wish our color, our hair was this color, that color and all kinds of things. And, and, we, and there's all, some of us wish we could sing. Some of us wish we could do this and wish we could do that. And, and we never see ourselves as, have, matter of fact, a lot of us view ourselves through the lens of our failures. Now I'm talking about in our own lives. You know, we say, well, I'm just this and I've done that and I'm this. And, and yet if you are in Jesus, 
Um, what God sees, and by the way, there's only one audience that matters, and that is God himself. And he sees us, if we are in Jesus now, I need to give you, that's a huge if. If we're in Jesus, he sees us through the lens of Jesus' death, what was accomplished there, and he has perfected us forever. Here's the thing, I'm on a journey headed toward home. And when the moment I invited Jesus to be Lord of my life, I, was, I received that which what Christ already accomplished for me on Calvary. And in the eyes of God, I can't get any better. I can't, listen to me, I can't add uh, preaching around the world and preaching. I can't add anything to that and make me better. You can't, listen to me, you can't add one thing to your list that makes you better in the eyes of God. Nothing. Jesus is the whole list. And in Jesus, you are Oh, it's hard to even say that word, isn't it? It really is. I mean, it's hard. You're like, and, and uh, perfect. But there's a key to the second part of the verse that helps us to realize what's happening down here, okay? In the everyday, uh, Monday to Monday, getting up, going to work, doing the things that we do, he says that we have been perfected in Jesus, but that we are being actively sanctified, okay? Now, listen to what he says. Let me read verse 14. For by one offering, the death of Jesus... He has perfected forever. It was the death that made us perfect, but it is also the work of God to sanctify us. Being sanctified is an active process. Now, what that means is, when, now see if you know this. That, that means that when I invite Jesus to be Lord, though God sees me through the lens of Christ and I'm perfect, I am not living perfectly here on the earth, instantly transformed. My mind is perfect. My, my will is perfect. My hand, my deeds are perfect. I go to only perfect places. I only listen to perfect music. I only eat perfect food. I only think perfect thoughts. Uh, how many of you maybe thought that on the front end, that when you invited your, in Jesus into the Lord, you were going to be perfect, man. You're going to love well. And any of y'all thought that or were sold that bill of goods? And then, man, you invite Jesus in, and you still have some of the old nature, and you start scratching your head, and you think to yourself, what's wrong with me? Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm the only one on planet earth that feels this way. Let me, let me reassure you something. Every born again child of God still has the nature of Adam residing within their life, within their heart. And Jesus said, and Peter said, and Paul said several different places in the scripture where the spirit and the flesh war against each other. And I want you to see tonight what he's telling me and you is that though we're perfect, perfect in his eyes, down here we are being made better, set apart little by little by little by little. And by the way, let me ask you a question. Have you seen that to be true in your life? Maybe you'd write this statement in your notes there. The Christian life, following Jesus is a progressive thing. It's progressive. It's supposed to progress and go forward. Now, the truth of the matter is that sometimes we go about three steps forward and we'll take about three steps back, right? Or we take three steps forward, we take one step back. Um, but the Christian life is to be progressing, to be going forward. It's why we need, after salvation, after salvation, for salvation, we needed Jesus. Y'all with me? We couldn't be saved without Jesus. He's the only death that was sufficient, the only sacrifice. So in, in salvation, we needed Jesus. But then after Jesus' death, we need the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, right, living in us. Because it's a progress. It's a, pro, it's a, pro, it's a progress. There's a, there's a progress to this thing. We need the word of God. That's why I need a steady diet of the word of God because my thinking needs to progress. I need to be thinking more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. What's going to do that for me? The spirit and the word. It's why I need the church. Did you know that? 
Uh, God put me in a New Testament uh, uh, church, Bible-believing church, preaching church, so that the church could help me develop and be growed, grown and shaped and come into the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus and grow up in my faith. And that's what you're here for, and that's what I'm here for. And that's why we gather. I had a man tell me this morning. He said, man, I've been out for a little while. And he said, I'll tell you, I've been struggling. And he said, it, he said it's amazing to me. Uh, how faithful I was for so long, but I got out just for a little while, and it blew my mind how, how unfaithful I got in my walk with him. Then I said, isn't it interesting? It really is. It's so interesting that, that we can just sort of miss a few times, and all of a sudden, our progress can sometimes stall. Matter of fact, matter of fact, we don't spend time in the Word. We don't find ourselves submitted to the Holy Spirit, and we don't gather as the church for the support that we need and to be a place to serve. What happens is we don't progress, we regress. And we'll look back, we'll look up and say, man, uh, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And I'm telling you, there are some people in, in my, on my mind right now, I couldn't share their names with you, but I have been praying for them and reaching out to them and they won't even respond to me. They've, they've drifted so far, uh, they won't even respond. And when I see them, it's awkward. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, because they're just not walking with Jesus. And so this, it's awkward when we see each other. Listen, uh, when you and I, when, when we find ourselves there, we ought to be reaching out to each other. And so let me encourage you, if there's somebody that you're missing, usually sit in your neighborhood by you or as part of your small group, uh, it, it is your responsibility as the child of God because that's what you're here for. The church is here to support and encourage. Reach out to them, man. Tell them you missed them. Uh, go, go see them. Invite them to come sit with you. Get them, get, whatever you got to do, bring that one sheep back to the 99, amen? And uh, let's do it like Jesus. So, so his death accomplished perfection, but the sanctification is a process, Right? There's progress to it. There's a process. So uh, we're becoming more like Jesus. Another question I have for you. Would you be able to say tonight that you're more like Jesus than when you first began the race? Uh, can you look at how you think? Any of you can think about one particular issue that you think about now and you can't believe that you thought about it when you were early in your faith, when you were newborn in the faith and you thought this way about something and the spirit and the word and the church God used to shape and change, transform and renew of your mind and now you think totally different about that one particular issue. Man, I can give you about five right off the top of my head and I'm so glad I'm so glad that God has the power to transform, to, to bring us in this progress, right, to process us through, to keep us going. And by the way, he promised, he promised that he would finish the work he began. And, and not, listen, you say, wait a minute, I thought you said the work was finished on the cross. Yes, for the, for the salvation of mankind, but the progressive sanctification in me, he's doing that every day. And he said, I, I'm going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So I'm going to just keep holding on to the hem of his garment and asking him to do in me what only he can. So his death accomplished perfection for the whosoever. First, he accomplished redemption. Second, accomplished perfection. Number three, and this is verse 15 and 16. His death, and, and when I say his death, I don't want you to read, you know, about, I don't know, seven, eight letters there arranged in two words. Uh, black ink on a white page or words coming out of my mouth and not see in your mind's eye Jesus naked, beaten, battered, saturated in saliva, mud stuck in uh, dirt and mud from, from the blood stuck in his wounds, lifted above the earth, 
suspended between the wrath of God and our rebellion as the peace offering and him enduring all the wrath of God for what we have done. And so when I read his death, I don't want you to just read that cleanly and cleanly process it. I want you to get dirty. What I mean is I want you to get filthy. I want you to think about the smell of that blood. I want you to think about what he looked like with his head drooped down, that crown of thorns mashed into his flesh. I don't want me and you to just ease through it, just sort of just say, yeah, well, he died and move on because, because I believe on an ordinary Monday, that's one of our greatest problems is we don't settle up before the day begins at the foot of the cross and, are, and remind, be reminded of what he endured and what he went through so that we could have this life, this relationship with him and to have him living in us. Listen, he prayed a high cost to get inside there. I don't know why he wants to be in there in the first place, except that he has the power to transform and to put us on a mission to reach other hearts and transform their lives. He wants to get people out of the ditches. You with me? He wants to rescue those people you work with and your family members, and he wants to use you and me to do it. And now what a journey this is. All right, I'm trying to stay to the text. All right, verse 15 and 16. Thirdly, his death accomplished the greatest advantage for the whosoever. Now, you see some connections with this morning's message? We talked about uh, in John 16 where Jesus said, uh, nevertheless, I tell you, that it is to your advantage that I go away. Y'all trying to track and remember some of them words for this morning. Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. That's what he said. But if I go away, I will send him to you. Isn't that good news? And so listen to where I found that in this accomplishment of Jesus' death, okay? You with me? We're gonna, this is going to be verse 15 and 16, okay? Everybody all right? We're a little past halftime, and y'all look like you're doing okay. Nobody's dozing. All right, verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. See, I told you uh, the advantage we have is as believers, the Holy Spirit witnesses to us. We have the Holy Spirit witnessing to us of truth. Uh, you ever heard somebody say, well, I had a little bit of a red flag about that. Or, or when, I, when, I, when I heard that preacher on TV or whatever say that, I thought, no, that's not true. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God, isn't it interesting how powerful the conviction of the Holy Spirit can be on the inside? You know, somebody asked me about that one time. There's an unbeliever. said, can you explain that to me? I said, I really can't. It's like you can't breathe. It's like you can't, it's like you can't find joy. It's like when, he, when the Holy Ghost has you in the grip of conviction, about a wrong action or a wrong thought or a wrong motivation. Uh, it, it's indescribable, isn't it? Uh, when he has you in that grip, now he's not trying to crush you, the life out of you, but he's trying to crush the atom out of you. And he'll hold you there, won't he? And I said the steady hand of God, and he's not trying to destroy, he's trying to mend and shape and cause us to look more like Jesus. So, so listen to what he says. He says that, but, but after the death of Christ, the Holy Spirit witnesses to us. Well, what do you mean? Well, it, this is what it means. Uh, God has said in the past, before the new covenant, he said, uh, there's a covenant coming that I will make, will make. So this is past tense looking forward to the new covenant. He said, there's a new covenant coming I'm going to make with them. And in this new covenant, I'll put my laws in their heart. Now, how did he, how did God put his laws, his ways, his dictates, his, his, his uh, character inside of me and you? Well, we talked about it thoroughly this morning, didn't we? It was through, it was, yes, by the person of the Holy Spirit, but what was the action that was required for the Holy Ghost? The death of Christ. I, well, I don't know, y'all not have as much fun as I am. That's tremendous. 
And some of you look at me like, well, I already knew that. And I would say to you then, then you ought to be fired up about it. You ought to be telling other people about it. And you ought to be led by him if he's in there. Let him take your hand this week and take you out to the world and tell people about Jesus and witness and testify because it's good news. So he said, there's a new covenant coming where it's not going to be written on a stone tablet where they have to go and read it and say, well, is my life lining up with that? No, they'll have the Holy Spirit witnessing inside of them to say, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Uh, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Or, or, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And so there's the compelling of the Holy Ghost and the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And he says that the witness is going to be inside. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I have him with me. Uh, now, uh, truth of the matter is, I need to obey him more. Can anybody, anybody else in my camp? A couple of y'all in my camp, raise your hand if you're in my camp. I need to obey him more. Uh, I, sometimes we play these games, don't we? We say, well, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Or, oh, yes, we did. And most likely, if we spent time in the Word that morning, we heard his voice when he said, I don't want you to do that. But, boy, can't we play games? Y'all aren't being honest with me tonight. We can turn that. But we can, it's sort of like what I did at our house when the kids were growing up. When we have four little ones running around banging on pots and opening doors and slamming and talking and everything going on and cartoons going. And, man, I could, it would be like I was in a tranquil forest with nobody around. I could just shut it completely off. And, uh, and, and so don't we do that sometime to the voice of God? And God help me and you. That the re Listen, you say, what do you mean God help us? God help us to hear his voice and obey. Now, tonight's message ought to be that we hear what had to happen to get that voice inside us. And the high cost that was paid was the death of Christ. And the death of Christ accomplished the advantage getting on the inside so we don't have to go somewhere and read a tablet. We have the tab, we have the author of the tablet of the Ten Commandments living in us, amen? And man, he is, uh, yeah, hallelujah. Give him a hand clap of praise. He goes with us and he'll direct our steps if we'll surrender to him. And so uh, his death accomplished the greatest advantage. What is it? The Holy Spirit living in us. The law is now in our heart. And he said, I'll, and, and then now let's kind of move on. I'll put my laws in their heart and in their minds, I will write them. Thank God the Holy Spirit is living inside us and he is the great advantage. But Jesus' death accomplished that. There was no way for the Holy Spirit inside me and you apart from the death of Christ. And so we ought to consider that tonight. Finally, finally, number four. Can you believe that? Number four, we're gonna have to slow down a little bit. Uh, verse 17 and 18. Y'all get out of here early and y'all think something's wrong with me, all right? Verse 17 and 18, all right? So let me ask you to write this down as the fourth uh, observation about what Christ's death accomplished. His death accomplished total forgiveness for whosoever. So in review, you write that as I talk, all right? Number one, we said his death accomplished redemption for whosoever. Totally paid in full. Our redemption was paid by the blood of Jesus in his death. Second, we said his death accomplished perfection. We are seen as God as perfect, although we are progressing here in the process of sanctification, a little more each day. Third, we said his death accomplished the greatest advantage for the whosoever. Now, what is the greatest advantage? Or should I say, who is the greatest advantage? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. And then number four, his death accomplished total forgiveness for whosoever. Remember, we started with the whosoever part. We had to clearly define that. Who is the whosoever? Whosoever would believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and turn their life over to his lordship, they are the whosoever. And it's available to anybody, anybody. So watch, let's conclude here in verse 17 and 18. Then he adds, 
in this new covenant because of the death of Christ, because this new covenant is signed and sealed in Jesus' blood. That's where that, uh, the, the death, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. There has to be, before the, before the testament can be sure, there has to be the death of the, of the testator. That's how the scripture says it. And the, the testator, the one who set up the, the testament, the covenant, is God Almighty. And so he died on the cross of Calvary. Uh, to set apart this testable. All right, read with me, verse 17, that he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. Oh, I love this. I will remember no more. Now, now, why, how in the world could God do that, the death of Jesus? How could God have such a forgetfulness to not even be able to remember the things that I still feel a little bit ashamed about, the death of Jesus? It was so totally sufficient. It was so over-the-top expression of love and grace. It was the total fulfillment of what was required for me and you to be forgiven. And so, therefore, when we find forgiveness in Christ, we find it completely. We, we find it totally. Now, don't we struggle understanding that? Don't we, don't we struggle bringing things back up to God and asking him to forgive things that we've repented of, moved on from, ask his forgiveness? I'm telling you, there were years later down the road until God finally, finally showed me, listen, uh, you're calling me a liar if you keep asking forgiveness of something happened 10 years ago and you've, you've repented and confessed it and moved on. You're calling me a liar because I don't even know what you're talking about. And wish, I wish you and I would, would really get that, that he says, I, I don't remember it. Don't we look silly sometimes in our prayer life? Riding down the road in our car, our truck, and we have a little flashback to something we did years ago that we've repented of, we've confessed, and what do we do? We start asking God to forgive us. We'll be weeping and said, oh, I'm so sorry I did that, God. I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and he's up there going, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I don't remember that. If the scripture's true, he says in the new covenant, through the death of Jesus, I will remember their sins. Help me, somebody. No more. Settle this issue. And I wish you and I would walk in the freedom of that. And boy, that will set you free, won't it? Set your feet to dancing, make you want to just say, here my hands, Lord, use me. And there's no limitations on uh, me turning my life over to you and saying, send me where you want and do what you will with me. And I can even tell people that, I, that, that know me, huh, uh, the old me, I can even tell them about the power of Jesus and his forgiveness. So in verse 17, he has their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I'm so glad that Christ died for me. And I want to say to you tonight, I am equally as thankful that Christ died for you. And as I look around this room, I, I'm so thankful. You say, why? Because I love you guys, man. And I would, it, would, it, it would just haunt me to think that you were going to go to hell and pay for your sins when they've already been paid for. And by the way, if you choose to go by way of the lake of fire, you'll make payments. This is like the old covenant. You'll make payments. You'll, 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 you'll make just payments along eternity and never touch the principal. Why? Because only one could cancel out the debt, Jesus, the death of Christ. And so I, it, it, sometimes it haunts me to think that people I know and love and, and people that I see and, and to think that, that some would reject the offer. Some would, some would not receive what Jesus accomplished through his death. And by the way, remember, it was the death where the work was done. It was the resurrection that testified to the work, right? It was the validation, if you will, that all of that was exactly what he said it was. And so tonight in closing, in verse 18, he says, now where there is remission. You know what remission means? Forgiveness. So he's talking about where the person has received Jesus, trusted in his death, the total work on the cross, where the person, the whosoever has received forgiveness, there is no longer an offering 
for sin. So here's what I want to share with you. Uh, if you have found forgiveness in Jesus, you cannot make amends to God by doing good. You can't make amends to God by living better. Uh, you, matter of fact, let me just make it, the statement this way. Uh, we, you and I, could never make amends with God. Now, that's a human thing. That's between human beings. Y'all tracking with me? Uh, it is impossible for you and I to make amends for the wrongs that we have done with the holy God. As a matter of fact, not only is it impossible, but it is an affront to God if you try to do so. If you try to amend what you've done wrong by doing better, you have nullified the power of the cross, what Jesus has done. Now, preacher, you said I shouldn't now strive to live a life that's pleasing to him. No, no, no. I'm saying you should. But if you think you're trading out good deeds for your old bad deeds to make up for him, friend, listen to me. You cannot make amends to God. Jesus did that. And it was one work that Jesus did that made amends for all of our sin and made possible forgiveness, and that is his death on the cross. His death on the cross. Boy, that'll free somebody up tonight, won't it? Now, somebody said, well, then I'll just go lay on my couch and, you know, and uh, watch whatever I want, do whatever I want. Listen, you missed it now because, listen, this kind of grace, this kind of grace that comes by the death of Christ, when, it, when, it, when, he, when the Holy Ghost comes live inside you, you will not be a sideliner. Are you with me? You, you can't. You just can't be happy and be a sideliner. When the Holy Spirit's living in you, you've got the law written in your heart and your mind, and you've got the Word of God speaking to you, and He's directing your steps, and He's cheering you on, and He's correcting you, and He's, he's, he's taking me and you and saying, now stay on this path because this is where I'll bless you. You get over there, and there's going to be some trouble. And he was, He's active in our lives. And aren't you thankful that, like, when He's busy with me, He's not too busy for you? Because I keep him busy. Some of y'all keep him busy. And what if some of us trouble kids uh, caused him to be too busy to help you or to direct you and guide you? Hey, listen, he's God. And his plate's never overloaded. And his schedule's never too bunched up. And I'm so thankful to God for the death of Jesus. Let's bow together. Will you bow your head with me for just a moment? I'm so thankful tonight for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my question for the group is this, all right? Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you here would say, I'm so thankful for the death of Jesus Christ? I want you to raise your hand up straight up in the air. If you're thankful that Christ died for you as an expression of God's love, raise your hand up towards heaven. I'm so thankful he died for me. Would you just take a minute and tell him, just say it out loud? Just right now, just begin to whisper and talk to him out loud. God, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying instead of me in my place. Thank you that your death was enough. Thank you that this isn't an ongoing process of buying back my salvation, but thank you that you did it all. And thank you, you can put your hands down now. And I want to say this to the group. Somebody here tonight needs to be freed up. You can't add one more thing to your plate to make God love you more. You can't add one more action. You can't add one more teaching or serving uh, to make God love you any more than he already does. Now I wish you'd take a deep breath in that statement. Just, just take a really deep breath. God's love for you is not dependent upon your performance. He already has loved me and you. He always has loved me and you. And he proved it. He didn't just say it, but he proved it. You guys, listen, he proved it. He's not trying to prove it to you. He's already proved it. I'm praying that God right now is helping me and you to love him more. You know, the death of his son ought to cause me and you to love him even more. And one other thing I'm praying, I'm praying tonight that you and I would take that message out of these walls. 
that the prevailing sin of silence, the prevailing sin of the church of our day, even in this room tonight, that you would just take a simple message of good news that God loves whosoever's and he proved it through the death of his son and Jesus died for you. You can look, look people right in the face and say, look them deep down in their soul, look down in their eyes and tell them, listen, don't be nervous about it, don't be timid about it. Look them right in the eyes and say, Jesus loved you so much, he died in your place. And this is what he accomplished. And if you'll put your hand in his hand, if you'll put your life in his hand, if you'll turn your life over to him, if you'll trust him, if you'll believe in him, if you confess with your mouth after believing in your heart, if you turn your life over to him, he'll forgive you. He'll forget your sin. He'll give you purpose. He'll put his spirit inside you. I'm telling you, no sweeter deal have you ever been able to talk to anybody about. And yet we waste so much time talking about stuff that we think is good. Oh, God, help us this week to take this good news outside these walls. I hope this week we hear some testimonies of people you and you, you guys have led to Jesus. I hope you're able to come back in your Wednesday night and say, you ain't going to believe I got three people with me, man. Two of them got saved at work this week. Tonight, I want you to be reminded of something. You are dearly loved. It's all accomplished. Jesus did it all. And if you're here tonight, you've never placed your life in his hands. If you've never trusted Jesus so much that you put your life in his hands, that you turned away from being your own boss and Lord, and you turned your life over to Jesus, invited him to be Lord, confessed him as Lord, there's no better time than now. He's been watching the horizon for you to come home. And maybe he's wooing you tonight or today or wherever you find yourself, whether you're driving down the road at the nurse's station or you're in this room or you're listening to a podcast later on and the Spirit of God is chasing you down, I invite you right now to stop what you're doing and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Trust him. Father, I pray you take this time of response and, Lord, that you would have your way. God, do whatever you want to do in your church. Father, we pray that your name would be glorified. And that we would come out of this place ready to go out and share the good news of Jesus' death and his resurrection. Thank you for loving me. I don't understand it, but I'm so thankful for it. Now, Lord, would you move the altar? Please help us to come and pray and spend some time together just seeking, listening. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.